The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which This ain't some clown show organization or something else. Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process the kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not aren't even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And it was a great Super Bowl. I mean, the, the Rams beat the beat the Bengals 20, uh, 20, 23 to twenty. Uh, it was a great game. They came right down to the end. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup at the end, and then uh, and then Aaron Donald made the big play to close it out. Just a great, great game and a great halftime show. Great game, just just an outstanding game. And and, and you're just happy for Matthew Stafford finally after thirteen years in Detroit, thirteen years playing on mostly bad teams, finally went to the Rams and finally got himself a championship. So I, I'm really really happy for Matthew Stafford. But, but so now, now we're going to get into the game. And, and first, we're going to talk about why the Rams won this game. And in my opinion, I think the Rams, well, there's two reasons why the Rams won this game. First is the most obvious one it was their pass rush. 
and uh, we got, we got a comment here. Uh, J- James uh, B. Feel feel bad for OB. I think he means Odell Beckham. Yeah, yeah. yeah you definitely you definitely feel bad for Odell Beckham. I mean, it looks like he's he's he suffered an ACL. It looked like he tore his ACL. Uh, yeah, you definitely feel bad for Odell Beckham that he had to leave that game in the first half. He was playing so well in the first in the in the first half of that game. I mean, he had he had that touchdown reception uh, in, in the in the in the first half. Uh, uh, he, had, he had that t- he had that touchdown reception. He had uh, the. Uh, he, he he then had that big play and on their second drive. So I mean I feel really, really bad for OBJ. But then we'll but we'll go back into why the Rams won first. It was their pass rush. Their pass rush in the second half was outstanding. It was I mean, the, the, and as he says defense wins championships. I wouldn't say for sure. I I I I think, yeah. I think you need to have a solid roster all around. I mean, it, 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 I mean, defense wins championships in this year of football. Yeah, your defense can't be terrible. But also, I feel like I feel like you need to have the quarterback to win a championship, and that's what the Rams got. They upgraded from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff, and I think that was the biggest reason why why uh, why they won this championship. But we'll get into we'll, we'll go back into why they won the game first. That pass rush of the uh, of, of the of the Rams in the second half was outstanding. After that third and three sack, they went on to sack Donald four more times. They went on to sack uh, sack Burrow four more times in that game. They held the Bengals scoreless on their last five possessions. That was a big reason why they won that game. And the second reason was their three most important players stepped up when it mattered. Matthew Stafford hit Cooper Cup on that touchdown, that touchdown pass, on, on that touchdown pass, and then Aaron Donald, just like he did in the NFC Championship game, closed out the game, getting pressure on Joe Burrow. He got pressure on Joe Burrow on that fourth and one, and they won that game. And so for me, those were the, those were the two biggest reasons why the Rams won. Justin, why, what were your biggest reasons why the Rams won? Yeah, the Rams. Um... I thought for them, I thought it was the way Matthew Stafford came out, 9 for 11 to start that game. Um, you know, as you mentioned, OBJ had a terrific game, you know, leading up to his injury. Again, he was probably very easily could have been the MVP if he played, you know, all four quarters of that game. Uh, you know, because you kind of saw the effect without him in there. They kind of struggled there for a period of time. You know, mostly that third quarter, they kind of struggled to get any rhythm going. Um, but I thought Matthew Stafford, the way he came out and fired that offense was playing really well. Yeah, Sack Burrow, seven of the last 22, um, you know, plays there. Like, uh, count, oh, uh, Teddy Keys. Could count from Teddy. Yeah, yeah. I that's mean, it. yes. Yeah, that's just, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely dominant. I mean, did, did, I mean, it did just, I mean, and that was the thing. We were worried that they were going to dominate the game. We were gonna, they were going to dominate throughout the game. What they did in the second half was just, was, was what we were worried about was going to happen to the Bengals, that, it, that their offensive line was going to expose, and it absolutely got exposed. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, because that third quarter, they finally actually started to bring some heat, you know, because the first half, you know, Burrow kind of had some time back there and was able to kind of, uh, he looked, you know, they looked good in the first half to being his offense. But yeah, second half, Donald, you know, Von Miller had a pretty good second half as well, getting pressure on him. Yeah, you know, they, you know, they they wrecked the game. And uh, James Beats comment, Burrow's uh, looked shocked by the defense from the start. He was so scared. He rushed every pass. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a different, it's a different animal when you get, Aaron Donald coming at you up the middle. And I think, you know, maybe it's part of it. I know he got injured there too. It looked pretty bad. It sounds like it's only a knee strain, luckily for him. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a couple of times I thought he kind of rushed it, you know, that, but, um, you know, he just didn't have much time to, in that second half, to really get, you know, look downfield and have any time to really, uh, you know, um, hit anything like because I know Jamar Chase on that fourth down was wide open but he didn't really have any time to get it to him so I know the problem is he kind of got rushed here in the second half but again the Rams pass was really dominated that game in the second half 
Oh, well, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and that was uh, that's uh, that's obviously the biggest reason why they won. And and to talk about James's comment, I mean, he he did, he did make some 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 big plays in that game, Burrow. I mean, that big play to Jamar Chase. He had that big play to uh, he had that big play to T Higgins for the touchdown. So it was it wasn't like uh, it, it was like Burrow had a bad game at all. I thought I thought he actually played a really good game. It's just as we as we've said, the the the, the issue with the Bengals was, and it's been their issue all season, and they need to address it. Was their offensive line. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it came back to haunt him again. Again, you know, the Titans game, he got sacked nine times. You're so lucky to win that game. You know, it, it's been the problem. What he was sacked like 52 times, which is in the regular season, which is like the most for a quarterback or most for a team that actually gets the Super Bowl. You know, like, yeah, that that was a big problem. And, you know, Jamar Chase is a huge pickup and was great. And I know we kind of mentioned it, you know, back in like September, August was, you know, should have they picked Sewell over J- Jamar Chase right now? I know Sewell had a great year in Detroit. And he played well, but it, like I guess you know Chase was probably the right pickup, even though they really do need to help that offensive line. And he's again, Joe Burrow's gonna be a great quarterback this league, but he ain't gonna last long if they don't upgrade this offensive line. He cannot keep getting sacked fifty times a year to survive in this league and play long enough. Um, like they're they're really gonna have to upgrade that line this offseason. Absolutely, he could very very easily become become Andrew Luck if if they don't if they don't upgrade the offensive line. He had he held the ball over three seconds like. Like eight times. Only. Let me see this comment. He ha- held the ball over three seconds, like eight times only. Yeah, I mean, he just the, the, the main the main point here is he's just he's going to have to uh, they're going to have to improve that offensive line. It's just that's just it's just as simple as that for the Bengals. But we'll get into why the Bengals lost. I think the most obvious one we really won't go in deep was was obviously they got they it was the pressure that 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 Burrow was under. But but we 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 got to that. But the stuff I want to get to is the. The, 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 I think one of the bigger, another more reasons why they lost was the two other reasons why I think they lost was they were not the most, dis, they were not the more disciplined team, and they were not the better coach team, and there and there were a couple examples of that. First example why they weren't the most disciplined team was on that interception that Jesse Bates had. What the heck is Vernon Hargrave doing jumping on the field? Just stay on the field, and that was a big play because the the Bengals would have had the ball at, the, at, the, at, the, at their own twenty five yard line instead of their own ten. That's fifteen yards of field position. We were trying to tie the game for uh, with a field goal, and how many points did they end up losing by three? That could that 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 that, that, that could that could that could have decided the game. What the heck is Vernon Hargrave doing jumping on the field like that? That was a hor- that was a hor- horrible horrible play by Vernon Hargrave. You're not even playing the game. Get off the field. You can't. You cannot afford to get a 15-yard penalty there. And, and then, and then I, I, I thought at the, I thought uh, there was some questionable play calling by Zach Taylor in, in the fourth quarter. And here's one play in that game that nobody is talking about. I guarantee you, no one's talking about. And that's when you. Know, that was the, this was the series before the Rams got their touchdown. The Bengals had the ball and they were running the ball well with Jamar Chase. Uh, he got like 20 yards on two plays. They they picked he on on first down. He, he picked up like 12 yards on first down, then eight yards on first down. They then they converted that uh, third and two with that screen to Evans. So they get the first down. They got the ball at their own 39 yard line. Instead of just handing the ball to Joe Mixon and Joe Mixon, they decide to run a screen to Joe Mixon and they lose three yards. I thought that was a very very crucial play in that drive because say you hand the ball to Joe Mixon. And the, and the next play they did, they got four yards. Say, say you hand the ball to Joe Mixon there and get three yards. It's a major – second and seven and second and 13 is a major difference. I did not like that, that 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 play call at all by Zach Taylor. I know Tyler Boyd didn't help him on that series. He dropped the ball that could have been a first down. But still, I didn't like that play call by Zach Taylor. And then the part – the worst – the worst of 
where Zach Taylor, uh, his worst moment in the Super Bowl was was at the end of the game. The fourth and one, in, in my opinion, I know a lot of people question that play. I agree with that play. I I thought I thought I, I thought the Bengals thought process going into this game. What the Bengals thought process going into this game was we are going to be aggressive. And you know what? They, they, I know they went for it on fourth and one, gave gave the Rams a short field. But you know what? They chose to be aggressive in that game. They were aggressive all game long. They threw the ball deep to Jamar Chase. They threw the ball deep to T. Higgins, and the, and and that really helped them. They went for it on that fourth down after the interception. So uh, I thought they were aggressive all game long. So I didn't mind them going for it on that fourth and one. But but the three consecutive plays, those last three plays, not to have Joe Mixon in the field is inexcusable. Inexcusable and was Zach Taylor's worst coaching, was definitely Zach Taylor's worst moment in this Super Bowl. And how do, how, how do you hand the ball off to anybody but Joe Mixon? Anybody but Joe Mixon. Why is Samaj P. Dryan on the field on, on, third, on, third and a, on, on third and one? And we got a comment from James. How, how many play actions did Taylor call? Should have been more. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially when you have a back like Joe Mixon. You should, you should definitely ran some play action. Zach Taylor got out coached in the Super Bowl. He ditched. He did. I mean, his 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 his, his poor coaching move, his poor coaching decisions, and, and especially in that fourth quarter, definitely caught, helped cost his team winning a Super Bowl there. But I just could not understand why why Joe Mixon was not in the field for at least one of those one of those three plays at the end of the game. Yeah, I'll start with that. Because I, I didn't either. Uh, because they were running the ball much better than the Rams. Did. The Rams averaged less than two yards a carry. Their, their Bengals averaged about four. Yeah, like I would have ran the ball there in second and one. If you get stuffed, I would have taken the shot on third down. They're probably running again on fourth. That would have been my kind of – because you still had the one timeout, too, in his back pocket that he could have used there. Um. Yeah, I don't you – know, I don't know why Joe Mixon's not in the field there. Because I thought both coaches did a horrible job of that. It's because – I thought with the Rams, too, whenever Kim Akers was out there, you knew the Rams were going to run the football. And whenever they had Michelle or Henderson out there, you knew it was going to be a pass play. So I thought both coaches were kind of predictable in that aspect of the game. But, yeah, like, I don't – the end of the game there, I, I just don't get it. It was like Zach Taylor kind of – and I get it. You got Joe Burrow, and he's been the guy to kind of lead you here. But, yeah, you got Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's been a great back all year. You know, run, run the foot, you know, run the football there. You, you know, I hate – Burrow's under pressure. It's like, I know you only need the one yard, but how, you know, you can be able to get anybody open here. And they weren't really able to. He, their case was open, but they had, he had no time to really give it to him. You know, um, and then also the Bengals. I thought, too, going back to the third quarter, that drive after um, they got, or they, in the third quarter where they got the um, interception, they only got a field goal out of it. You know, they started the Rams 31 yard line. You got to punch it in there for six. You go up by two scores, and you really put the pressure on the Rams. They were only able to get the field goal. They're up seven. And then the Rams, they go down the field, get a field goal, and it's, you know, back down right down to a four-point game. Again, who knows if they end up scoring a touchdown there. You know, you're running the football well. You go up by ten points. You have a very good chance there of winning the football game. So I thought, too, not converting there late or in that midway through that third quarter, um, you know, not being able to punch it in the end zone there. I think also came back to hurt the the Bengals as well in this game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if they say say they score there, say they get a touchdown in that spot, say they go up 24-13, it is going to be very, very difficult for the Rams to come back without Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham's injury changed that game. It changed that game. The, angle, the Bengals were able to play more single high coverage. The, the Rams could not get any run. I mean, they couldn't get a run game going even with OBJ, but they, they even keep, it, got, it got even worse because the Bengals made sure that safety was in the box. When OBJ was out of the game, because they knew the only player they had a double uh, was Cooper Cup at that point. So, 
Yeah. So yeah, that was huge at the rim. That sack. That sack by Aaron Donald. I thought the OBJ injury changed momentum, but I felt like that sack by Aaron Donald started to change momentum the other way and, and holding the Bengals to three after that turnover. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It it did. You know that because that was really their first big sack there. The all the um all the the second half. And yeah, you know, it was third and three. They pick it up. Yeah. Who knows? And then. Because the Rams pretty much for that point on, you know, like even at you know before that drive, they they were still pretty lost offensively. So yeah, it's like you know it was a kind of pick me up for that offense. Like okay, we got to stop, you know, or okay, or you know, kind of got that you got to stop or held them a field goal because they because the Bengals started at the thirty yard line. They they you know and it kind of gave that offense okay here we go. Our defense kind of helped us out here. We got to take advantage of it again. They got three points out of it, and you saw they started to get in rhythm. So absolutely, absolutely, it did help that offense, or did help that offense there start to kind of click and kind of give them some momentum and, and some confidence here. If we can get this thing done. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because twenty four thirteen would have been very, very hard. Seeing some of the receivers, seeing that the Rams didn't have Higby or OBJ, twenty four thirteen would have been really, really hard for 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 the Rams to come back and win that game. It would have been really, really hard. But obviously they were able to end up. They were they were able to hold. They were able to hold into a field goal there, and they were end up coming back and getting the win. So, so the Rams, you know, get, getting that Super Bowl win, uh, and and that, that and Sean McVay getting a ring, and then Matthew Stafford getting a ring, really really impressive of them. But before this season began, the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford, and they won a Super Bowl. A, the, a year before, the Patriots signed Tom Brady and won a Super Bowl. This begs nice. the question. I mean, I mean, the Bucs, yeah, the Bucs won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that was my bad. The Bucs won a Super Bowl. This kind of begs the question. Should teams be using their – seeing all the quarterback movement that could potentially happen this offseason, should teams use their model to to try to win a Super Bowl? You're, you're going to have Russell Wilson out there. You're going to have Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be out there. Uh, you, 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 those are two guys that are definitely going to be out there. I mean, potentially Deshaun Watson. Should those teams be using that model to try to win a Super Bowl? Because it's worked the last two years. This is the this is the first time in over two decades that two two, uh, two guys that were uh, two guys that played on their team for the first year for the two two guys that played on their team or that were on their the quarterbacks that were on their team in their first year won a Super Bowl. So I I think I think if you're if you're the Titans. If you're the if you're if your teams like the Titans, teams like the Vikings, teams like the Vikings, teams like the Saints, teams like the Steelers, I think you make that move. You try to get you know one of those quarterbacks because I think if, if you're those four teams, Vikings, uh, Steelers, Titans, Saints, Broncos, those five teams, if they, those teams, I feel like are a quarterback away from being serious Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, it's the model. It is very risky if it does not pay off where you mortgage your whole future. You know, like something like the Rams and you give up all those draft picks. I mean, the Rams haven't had a first-round pack. Uh, Browns actually. Yeah, good going for Chase. They yeah, Browns, Browns. Browns. They're, they're in that group. They're in that group. So that's six teams there. They're they're in that group. Yeah. So I, I, I think you do it. I think you do it because you saw it work for it worked for, worked for the Bucks. It worked for the Rams. I think you do it. I'm on the fence. And I think it depends on the organization. Like an or- and most of those haven't been winners. Like a team like the Browns, where they haven't won forever. Again, go do it because if it's something where you kind of give up your future a bit and you have a couple down years, I think to like the Cleveland fans, if you win a Super Bowl, okay, we'll take a couple more. You know, like we'll take a couple down years here to kind of 
rebuild things back up. You know, like an organization like the you know, Broncos have won recently. Saints, you know, have been playoff, you know, have always kind of been the playoffs the last decade. You know, Steelers have. Titans have. They haven't won a Super Bowl title. Have they ever won? I don't think Titans have ever won one, right? No, they've never won one, no. You know. So, like, organizations like the Titans, I think, you know, you go ahead and do it. So, like, I do it if I'm organizationally like Titans, Browns, you know, organizations you haven't won much. And it's something – because, like, the Steelers have never – they haven't had a losing record, what, the last 20 years, something like that. It is a – I guess it's a little risky. It doesn't pay off. You kind of go down a couple of bad years if you're the Steelers. And what do the fans kind of think if you don't get the Super Bowl win? You know – Again, it, it's risky. It could cost you your job. It doesn't pan out as you, if you're a GM or a coach, but it is worth. It is worth it. It is worth. You know, it, it can be worth it. Like the Rand Bucks. Again, it'd be worth it for a Browns or a Titans. You know, that have not won. So, it's worth it. I'm on. The, I'm. I've been on the fence about it, but I, I think it depends on the organization. Yeah, that's a good point because if you look at a team like the Giants, they're not. I. I don't think they're a quarterback. One of those guys away from being Super Bowl contenders. But if you look at the the the, the other six teams that we mentioned, those teams are. So yeah, I think it definitely depends on the organization. Yeah, because you know the only Giants you may need some more people. Again, it'd be nice to have a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, like again, I think the Giants have some talent. But yeah, does it make them Super Bowl contenders? Possibly in the NFC East because they're going to be able to steal some wins in that that division. You know, something maybe like the, um, you know, we're trying to think of it. Um, like, um, but yeah, like, you know, your quarterback, like um, the Giants can get to that point, but you have to build a foundation a top quarterback would want to play for. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not a foundation yeah, that Russell Wilson or Aaron no. Rodgers wants to play for. No, not no, at all. no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that that's kind of part of it. Yeah. Like, I think you, you do need that foundation to where you're good enough, you're going to attract free agents, you're going to be able to, you know, where, you know, even like a pickup, like, um, you know, um, like Melvin Ingram to like the, um, like the Chargers where like, you know, you're just, yeah, you, like you need to have kind of that foundation of a guy that, you know, is attracted to the organization because they have a chance. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, Again, free agent sign could be attractive probably right now to go to the Giants. You know, you got to have that, that you know, that kind of spark of, you know, this team's a Super Bowl contender. I have a chance to win here because that's what everybody wants. You know, everybody, again, it's like money and who, where do I have the best chance to go out and win? It's like the two most important keys, I think, for, for most of, you know, for pretty much all professional athletes. Oh, absolutely. 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 So it should be interesting to see what goes there. But we'll talk about we'll go back to the quarterback who won this Super Bowl by, you know, getting traded from a bad organization to the Rams. And the big question is for this quarterback, is he a Hall of Famer with this win? And I think he is. I think he is. I think he he's put up he's put up the numbers in Detroit. Um, I mean, yes, he did play with. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I'll give you that. I don't I don't I didn't think he was as good. I don't think he's as good as Joe Burrow. But Aaron Rodgers could be. Yeah. And then we'll go back to oh oh that that that's almost uh, that is so that, that that's so true Chase he he could it could be Aaron Rodgers next year he joins the Steelers or the Broncos it could very very easily be Aaron Rodgers next year I would not be surprised at all if that's if that's the case no absolutely me neither um he's top tier again that'd be a great division um if he goes to the Broncos with those three quarterbacks I guess even Joe Carr in that conversation as well those you know tough division but absolutely again I know. Is it possible Brady Goat lands the 49ers? Oh, crazy. It's, yeah. 
You know, yeah. like again, Brady yeah. could go do it again. The Niners. That's a yeah. that's another team. If it, you know, because again, it seems like it's setting up for Brady and the Niners. You know, they will kind of reunite here. Um, but yeah, you know, again, Rogers right there. Brady wants to come out of retirement. They're right there. So yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers totally could be that next one. And again, who he's probably motivated. He's probably seen what Stafford and Brady have been able to do when he leaves in organization. I again, knowing Rodgers, I, I gotta think that is kind of in the cards for him that he probably would love to kind of have another another opportunity with a different organization though to win. Oh, and that's what started all this stuff with the quarterbacks. Brady won that Super Bowl last year with the Bucs. Wilson started to want out. Rodgers started to want out. Now you hear rumors of Kyler Murray, you know, unfollowing the Cardinals on Instagram. I'm telling you, Brady started a movement here with these quarterbacks. And, and, he, and, he, said, and he, he started a movement saying, uh-uh, it's not the system. It's me. It's me. It's not the system. It's me. That's, that's why we're winning these. That's why we're winning these championships. Brady started that, and Stafford – Yes, and then uh, Stafford followed in his footsteps and did and 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 did the same thing. Yeah, no, that's absolutely that's a great point. Yeah, you know, again, especially in the league now where it's so offensive kind of driven, and it's like all the rules are kind of on the offensive side, and it's to a point where it's it's hard to play defense nowadays. So yeah, it, it, again, you know, these quarterbacks kind of see it, and you got the talent, and again, you go to a team like Tampa Bay where Brady went with all the weapons that you got offensively. Again, you know, Matthew Stafford, again, oh, just a totally different organization that's a whole lot better. It's a total 180. Good coach in Sean McVay. You know, good good offensive weapons. Again, a nice pickup of OBJ. You know, and then, like, even you want to mention Aaron Rodgers of Denver. Again, they have a lot of young weapons. I know they really haven't proved anything yet because they really haven't had the quarterback the last couple of years to kind of be able to unleash some of these guys. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, again, Green Bay is a good organization. They've always been winners. But, yeah, they just haven't been able – to get over the top, it is such a QB driven league. And again, you have a guy, uh, you, you know, that's good enough. And you put enough talent around him, you, you got a chance. You, you, you really do. As long as you have a decent enough coach, a good roster, enough offense, you can win in this league. There are two most there's, in, in, in professional sports. There are two, there are two players that are, that move the needle. No, two players move the needle the most in professional sports, a superstar in the NBA and a quarterback in the NFL. And if you can't keep those people happy, and you're seeing this now, teams got to start trying to keep these quarterbacks happy, or they are going to leave. That is the reality of the situation. Yeah, it's starting to come like the NBA with all of this, you know. Um, the, the quarterbacks, yeah, with all the drama, um, you know, kind of wanting to get out. Yeah, you know, it, it is, again, you know, what is – Murray wants like a $45 million contract. Like, again, you're going to give up half your 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 cap to, to the quarterback, it seems like. Again, it's a dangerous game to play, but you got to, you know, and I think it makes drafting so much more crucial because you do have to, you got to try to find some of these guys that, you know, are going to be on cheaper kind of on, on their kind of their rookie deals here. So, yeah, you got to keep, keep these guys happy, but you also got to be able to have enough to build a team around them. Um, you know, and you, you got a talented quarterback like, you know, like a Kyle Murray is, you, you got to pay him what he wants, you know, to keep him around because, again, Elite quarterbacks don't come around often that are capable. And I don't think Murray's an elite quarterback yet. I think it's possible, you know, with everything he's got around him. But yeah, it's it's rare to kind of have a quarterback that is on that level of a Brady, of a Rodgers, you know. Um, like we think of a, like a Herbert or Mahomes and what Herbert and Burrow could be. You know, again, they don't come around so often. And again, you know, there's – 
there's only a select few of elite quarterbacks. And again, you have if you have one, you got to keep them around and happy and pay them whatever they want. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So going back to the Stafford conversation, he and obviously we know he left the Rams. He he got traded from he wanted he wanted to leave Detroit, but he got traded from the Lions to the Rams. And I I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think yeah, with this win, he is a Hall of Famer. And uh, uh, I know the stats are there. I know the stats are there. And and, and but I thought in the game, he, I thought in this playoff run, he was outstanding. Every single time the Rams needed him to make a play, he made a play. Uh, Against the against the bucket against the against the Bucks when they needed to score, he drove them down the field for the game-winning field goal. He hit Cooper Cup on that big play and drove them down the field in the game-winning field uh, for the game-winning field goal against the 49ers. Down 10 points in the fourth quarter to a really good defense, he 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 brought them back to win that game. And then and then lastly in the Super Bowl, down four points, he drove his team down the field to win a game. And then those two picks in that game, let's let's stop saying oh we had two picks. One of those picks was almost like a punt. It was like a it was a third and fourteen. It was like a punt. That that pick that was like a punt. Let's let's let's, let's that, that's that, that pick really that, that pick did, did not make that much of impact on the game. And then the other pick went off Skaronic's hands. He was a pathetic. He's a terrible receiver. He should, honestly, I don't think he should be in the NFL. He, the, the ball went off his hands. So, so I I I don't think neither of those picks were, were one wasn't his fault. What wasn't that impactful? I thought Matthew Stafford played really well in that game. And, and and drove down the field to win the game. So, in my opinion, Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I you got to put him in now. Um, again, the sets are there, as you mentioned. Again, he played for a horrible – and I know he's probably not going to have M, any MVP awards or all that, but because he's played in Detroit, he really can't help it. He can't – you know, again, who's going to vote for an MVP that wins three games a year? You can't. So, I know the MVP awards won't be there for him, but uh, – I know he's been to a couple of Pro Bowls. Again, he had great numbers. It just – the organization never helped him out. Again, he's probably not going to win an MVP in Los Angeles because he's not one of those Mahomes or, or Rodgers or Brady type of quarterbacks. But uh, he's been good enough throughout his career. He's – he's helped. again, I think it showed – you know, if you put him in a good organization, he can go – he can win. And, and who knows? Like, actually, I don't – but, um, like – Actually, going back to their um, Jason Matthew Stafford makes wide receivers look good, great. AJ Green in college, Calvin Johnson, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, some paydays last offseason. Now Cooper Cup, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah. uh, what was the reason? What was the reason why the Giants gave Galladay all that money? Because he had Matthew yeah. Stafford as quarterback. Yeah, that's a <laughs> very good point. That, it, it had a ma- had a major drop off this year with who oh, his yeah. quarterback was. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, so. Andrew Thomas had more touchdowns than he did. It's ridiculous. You're yeah. off of the line. What a, what a waste of money! No, that's another story. That's another story for another day. What a waste of yeah. money that is! Eighteen million for him. I mean, he's still good, but for that kind of money, and then we draft the wide receiver. You know, what a mess that is! But but still, just I, Hall of Fame. Hall, in my opinion, he's a Hall yeah. of Famer. He's he's one of the better. He's one of the best quarterbacks of our generation. That win guaranteed it that he's that he had a better that he's had a better career than Tony Romo. He's had a better career mm-hmm. than Matt Ryan. He's had a better career than Joe Flacco. I don't want to hear Joe Flacco did more on his playoff run than Matthew. No, stop it. Come on. There is no no way you can tell me that Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Matt than, 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 than Matthew Stafford. You want to bring up the record and stuff? Oh, give me a break. Flacco played in one of the probably Flacco probably played in the best organization in the league, and Stafford probably played in one of the worst organizations in the league in the league. So don't tell me the winning record nonsense. He's definitely a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Donovan McNabb, Matt Ryan, and Tony Romo. Those four guys, he's definitely better than. And those, all those four of those guys, in my opinion, aren't Hall of Famers. And Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think Stafford should be in. 
Again, you know, I would have to look at the numbers. But I think he's got better numbers than Flacco off the top of my head. I know oh, Ryan's one of them. Much, much better numbers yeah. than Flacco. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan's won an MVP, but let me tell you, that was yeah. one of the. I think Matt Ryan was the worst MVP since Sean Alexander when he won the MVP in 05. If you saw Matt Ryan's MVP season, he had Kyle Shannon as an offensive as an offensive coordinator, and he had, and he had the best skill player in the game that year. Matt Ryan is yeah. not an MVP level player. They just gave it to him because his numbers were better than everybody else. His rate rating yeah. was good. Yeah, no, they, that that Falcon team was good that year. He had a ton of talent around him. Yeah, Ryan's kind of kept the Falcons afloat this year, but yeah, I think he's Stafford's a better quarterback than, um, you know, I think Stafford is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. You know, I think, yeah, Stafford, again, we've seen what happened in Detroit this year and just how much Matthew Stafford has meant to that organization the last 12 years. You know, he's right, you know, Jason Wright, Calvin Johnson, Marvin Jones, you know, Galladay. Again, Calvin Jones or Calvin Johnson, one of the top wide receivers. You know, in this generation, one of the, again, he probably would have been one of the best all time if, if you know, he was able to stay healthy, I'd say, on the field. Uh, you know, he was electric. But, yeah, I, Stafford's numbers, again, I kind of talked about them last week. They're right there with Rodgers. They have the same – I know Rodgers got the MVP awards, but Rodgers played in a totally much better organization, one of the best. And I know playoff kind of, you know, the playoff numbers haven't been great there for Rodgers, especially recently. But, yeah, I, I just think, you know, what Matthew Stafford's been through in Detroit, what he did this year and kind of the impact that he's made to go go there, win a Super Bowl, the way he played in the playoffs this year, I, I absolutely think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, without question. Without question. Uh, to, to me, he, he – I don't I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Famer. To me, I don't think he'll get in – I don't think he gets he – definitely – I don't think he gets in the first ballot, but I think I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But – what were you going to say, Justin? Yeah, I was going to say absolutely. I agree, agree with that. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But we got to move on to, to talking about where these two teams go from here. Now the Rams and the Bengals. We'll first start with the winning team, the Rams. They're, they're going to have Von Miller and OBJ as free agents. And we don't know about the about the pending retirement. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Donald yet. And I bet Andrew Withworth will probably hang it up after this. I bet he retires. But it looks like the Rams are going to have Cup. It, could have, it looks like they're going to have Cup, Donald, and Stafford back. Those are their three key players, and to be honest, look at the NFC. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams are back in the same spot next season. No, absolutely not. Again, do they sign Odell in a one-year deal now because of the torn ACL? Yeah, I think that it's possible. Again, I don't know. And you have him no, and Robert Woods, too. Yeah, yeah, Woods coming back next year. I like Van Jefferson, too, at wide receiver, so I think they could be pretty loaded there on the offensive side of the ball. I know they get kind of cap kind of tough situation there. So yeah, they probably can't bring back Von Miller. But again, I still think the defense has enough pieces around it. You still got Jalen Ramsey. Again, I, I think, yeah, I think it's very possible they're right there. Again, who knows what happened to Rodgers and the, and the Packers. Um, you know, obviously, again, the Cardinals are kind of facing drama here. So absolutely, I think the Rams could be right back there. I think they have a solid enough roster. Again, they, they get OBJ back. You just kind of saw the, the, uh, the impact he made late in that year. I don't know. If it, you know, it sounds like it's a torn ACL. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. Could make it back. It'll be seven months. Possibly. It depends on the rehabs. I know it's the second one he's had, it, unfortunately, for him. But um, I think it's very possible the Rams could end up back there um, next season. Oh, without question. Without question. I think the Rams could. I, I definitely. They're right now, they're my, they're my favorite to, win the, to, to get back in the NFC. 
On the other hand, the Bengals, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to get back. Uh, there's only been one team since the Bills in the 90s. So in the last 28 years, there's only been one team that lost the Super Bowl the previous year and, and, and got back to the Super Bowl. And I think we know who that team is, the Patriots in yeah. 2018, and they won the Super Bowl. So it's very, very difficult. It's a lot easier to win this game and get back the next year than it is to lose this game and get back the next year. So uh, I think the Bengals are going to have a difficult time getting back. And I think the biggest reason is they play in one of the best divisions in the NFL. The Ravens, they went they won eight, they only they went eight and nine, but a big reason for that is is they had they had more injuries than any team in the league. They lost, they didn't have their two best running backs in, in Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. They didn't have Lamar Jackson for the last five. Lamar Jackson missed six games. Uh they they, they, they didn't have uh they didn't have their 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 starting one of the best left tackles in football in uh Ronnie Stanley. They didn't have at the end by the end of the year, they didn't have their two best corners and Merlin Humphrey and Marcus Peters. So the Ravens had a bunch of injuries. You know the Steelers as long as Mike Tomlin's there, are going to be competitive. And then the Browns, that's a really good roster. So the Bengals play, and I know the I know the Rams are are in, are in a really tough division. But the but but you could I, I would I'd say this: the Bengals probably are in the best division in football. So I think it's going to be it's going to be hard for them to get back. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be a 10-11 win team again next year. But it's going to be hard for them to get back to this spot. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I with that division, you mentioned the Ravens just. The injury bug, and then even like the Steelers again, you can always guarantee the Steelers are going to win eight games a year. You know, we'll see what happens with the Browns again. It's such a tough division, but then I also think about too the playoffs. I'm like, again, he's going to have Burrow's going to have to go up against probably you know Mahomes, Josh Allen. Again, maybe you see Justin Herbert there next year, Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of really good young quarterbacks in this conference, and again, they're all going to get a chance to play the Super Bowl at some point. I imagine again, like down the road against all these guys. I, you know, could you beat all of them again? I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, it is possible they win, maybe they sneak in a wild card, but I can't see them going to run like they, they did this year. I think there's a lot of talented quarterbacks. Again, you know, at some point, Josh Allen's going to get his chance to play in the Super Bowl. You know, Lamar Jackson's going to have his chance. So I think too, it's difficult. It's a tough division. I also just think the road in the FC, it's just, it's, it's very difficult. Yet again, we're kind of seeing these, all these new young quarterbacks in, in this conference now. And, there's a lot of talent, you know, and I think Matt Jones could be in that conversation too soon. So, yeah, I think it's going to be tough, and I think it's possible that it's going to be tough through that road in the playoffs So just all the great talent we have at the quarterback position. Yeah, the AFC is definitely becoming the better conference. Now with Brady retiring, there's a good chance Rodgers could be in the AFC. The a NFC was better this year, but the AFC is starting to become the better conference. And, that, yeah, that kind of, that kind of, for you, that you, you as a Pats fan, you probably wish the Pats were in the NFC because the Pats were in the <laughs> NFC – they might have been able to start a little bit of a run with Mac Jones, but mm. now in the AFC, it's going to be brutal because you said it. You know, Josh Allen's going to get his chance. Lamar Jackson's going to get his chance. If they can get the coaching situation, if they, if they can get a better coaching situation with the Chargers, mm. Justin Herbert's probably going to get a, get, a, get a chance. So a lot of these guys are going to get chances. The, the, the AFC is going to be very, very competitive for years to come. Yeah, it's like, you know, 10 years ago when it was you know, 10, 15 years ago, Brady, Manning, you know, yeah, Flacco. Rivers, Roethlisberger. It's like it's that core. It's kind of that group again. It's a it's a new group now, and yeah, it's it's gonna be you know again. It's unfortunate Rivers never got his chance, but again, like again, one of these guys could be that quarterback that just never could never get over the hump, you know, because of how tough the division or how tough this conference is. It it's it's gonna be a gauntlet. And yeah, I, right now the AFC is turning into a better conference. And, yeah, you know, imagine if Aaron Rodgers comes in this conference as well. Oh, oh um, God. It just <laughs> – Oh, 
Oh, God. Yeah, be, the, the AFC would be stacked if that happened. Yeah. Yeah, how many of the top ten quarterbacks are all in the AFC? Oh. That would happen. Yeah, but I think I think there would probably be only, like, maybe t- maybe t- two in the NFC. It would be, like, maybe Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott. That would be it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to go through it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I, yeah. That would be insane. And again, we think Trevor Lawrence, I, I think, now has a That's real coach. Thing. He's, so he's, he's, he got he's, he's, yeah, let's see. Hey, and Trevor Lawrence has a coach that won a Super Bowl. So yeah. he, he could be right there. He could be right there as well. So it's going to be it's going to be fun <laughs> in the AFC in the coming years. It, it, it definitely is. But we're going to give kind of give our final thoughts on this NFL season. And I, I thought this was one of the best. I've been watching football for over 20 years. I think this was this was this was the best season, just because of how 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 good the quarter how good the how good the quarter uh, how good the games were in the postseason at the end of the year. Eight of the last nine games were decided by one score. Eight of the last nine playoff games decided by one score. All the games in the divisional round, all the games on conf- uh, in the conference championship game, and in the Super Bowl were decided by one score. You know your league is doing an outstanding job when you have that happen. That's why the NFL is the best league in in the world because of the parity. Because of the, you know, just everybody knows the, the superstars in the league and the parody in the league. Yeah, absolutely. It was a ter- terrific season. Um, yeah, it, again, because, yeah, the playoffs. After the wild card weekend, all four of those games were horrible. And we kind of thought, you know, you know, what's the rest of the playoffs going to look like? But again, you know, that that one weekend was worth the last couple weekends we've had in the NFL in the playoffs. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, it's a fun year. Again, you kind of you see like a t- team like the Bengals on the run they had, you know, in kind of team nobody counted on going all the way. It was a good, it was a really good season. It was a fun season. Yeah, I, it was mostly because of the playoff football. Again, every game kind of went down the wire. That's all you want out of any playoff or tournament is you just want you just want it to come down those final couple possessions, and that's what we got pretty much that whole the whole uh, playoff. So. Yeah, it was an excellent season. The NFL, once again, proves why they're the best and they are above everybody else. Without, without question. And I think another big reason, too, is the Bengals. The Bengals won two games. They had the number two over, they had the number one overall pick two years ago, and they were in the Super Bowl. It shows you if your organization uh, gets the quarterback right, gets your quarter, if you get the, gets the quarterback situation right, drafts the right guys and, and signs the right free agents, you can get there. You can you have hope. And I think that gives fans hope too that. In two years, the two years ago, the Bengals were the worst team in football. Now they were in the Super Bowl. That gives a lot of fans hope, and it just makes the league even better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I mean, it's very rare in the NFL to see a team not make a playoffs like more than a decade. And I know it, it's happened with the Jets here, and the Browns have got over that recently. But like, it is very rare, and it, it does show like as long as your organization has somewhat of competence, you can get to the playoffs again. Yeah, you may not be the Super Bowl contender. But you could see again at 97, 10 and 6. If you just have a good enough roster, your organization's good enough to put build something around you, have a good coach, you have a chance in this league to get there. And I think, yeah, and I think you're right. It, it again, it makes the fans more engaged all the time because yeah, you think you could turn this thing around in, in a few years of a, of a rebuild. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, if you're if you're bad for a decade like the Jets and Giants, that's hundred percent on the organization. It's not on the league, it's on the organization. This league sets you up. This league wants parity. This team wants quick turnarounds. Uh, the, the worst team gets the number one pick. Uh, there's a salary cap. They want uh, teams to. They want. They want quick turnarounds. They want parity. So if you're as bad as you as the Jets and Giants, that is 100 percent on the Jets and Giants for being as bad as they've been for a decade. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's yeah, it's the organizations that that's have not have not been able to do the right thing, not draft right again. Both I you know, again, we'll see what the new giant brass here can do. But yeah, it's just it's drafting. Again, it's it's coaching, it's just not figuring out the it just continually failing at all levels to try to build. And it again, you kind of see what bad coaching does. You you saw it with like again, they wrecked Sam Darnold New York. Or with the Jets again? Did they wreck Sam Darnold and the? I mean, Daniel Jones and the Giants again. I guess we'll find out Daniel Jones in September. But yeah, like again, the Browns—they're starting to figure it out. They need the quarterback now. But yeah, like they were a team that what they went through like twenty-two quarterbacks in what like nineteen years exactly, or nineteen yeah. years that started. You know, like you just a little bit confidence in this league, and your team's gonna find a way to get a wild card one year. You know, maybe, you know, for a couple years in a row. Exactly, 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 exactly. But we we got we got to get to the awards, NFL awards that were announced last Thursday, and we'll start with the two rookies, offensive rookie of the year and uh, defensive rookie of the year. And it was obvious who won. It was so unanimous. Jamar Chase he definitely should have won offensive rookie of the year. He was phenomenal this year. And then and Micah Parsons, he was up for defensive player of the year. We knew it was a slam dunk. He was going to win rookie of the year. He definitely changed that. He was that he was the difference maker. On that Cowboys defense, when uh, Demarcus Lawrence was out, he was playing as an edge rusher. He was he was good. He was good as an edge rusher, and he was outstanding as a middle linebacker. Right now, I think he's the best linebacker in football. So, Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase, obvious choices for offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, absolutely, Chase. Outstanding year, especially what he did in Week 17 against the Chiefs. The eleven catches, two hundred sixty-six receiving yards, three touchdowns. Again, that pretty much put the icing on the cake that he's going to win offensive rookie of the year. He was outstanding, had a terrific year with the Bengals. One of the big reasons why the Bengals were, were in the Super Bowl was him. The chemistry between him and Joe Burrow was outstanding, and they're going to be a fun duo to watch here for the next decade or so. And, yeah, we meet Micah Parsons. Again, absolutely, he changed that entire Dallas Cowboys defense. That defense last year was horrendous. They gave up, what, like 27, 28 points a game? They couldn't stop anybody last year. Um, you know, he 20 rook, you know, twenty sacks for loss this year. or. 20 tackles for a loss. He had 13 sacks. He was a pro bowler, made the all-pro team as a rookie. Yeah, finished second for defensive player year. He was just outstanding. He was a force to be reckoned with, and he'll be a force in this league for a long time, long time to come. So we'll go to uh, offensive and defensive player of the year, and those were pretty obvious too. Cooper Cup of the Rams led the league in reception, receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns. And then J.J. Watt of the uh, – J.J. Watt – no, T.J. Watt of the Steelers uh, – Oh, he he tied Michael Strahan's record for 22 and a half sacks in a season. And don't give me all he did in 17 games. He only did it in 15 games. And Strahan, he broke that record. Far gave him that sack. Nobody gave TJ Watt any. Nobody gave any TJ Watt any. That, that, that's nobody gave TJ Watt that uh, this season. So TJ Watt tying Strahan's record for most sacks in a season, and Cooper Cup leading the league in receiving yards or receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns. So pretty obvious with who won offensive and defensive play uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah, absolutely. He was, you know, TJ Watt, outstanding season, doing it 15 games of 22 and a half sacks. Um, such an important piece of that defense. And only and the only reason why the Seals even were in the playoffs because of that defense and TJ Watt anchored that defense. Um, he's been worth that every penny of that four-year extension he's gotten. Um, he's been terrific again. Hopefully he can stay healthy and because he's going to be a force in this league. Um, for a while, he's been out. He was getting out another outstanding year, and it, he's got rewarded by it for winning defense play of the year. In Cooper Cup, the chemistry that him and Matthew Stafford had in year number one. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, getting the triple crown for the wide receiver. Being only 
you know, third wide receiver to actually only win the offensive player of the year award. You know, again, I, you know, I know he wasn't an MVP, but he put up some MVP numbers for wide receiver. He was brilliant. Again, he capped off his strong season too by winning the Super Bowl MVP. He had a big Super Bowl and yeah, you know, he was very deserving of it. Guy, small town co- or small college home out of Eastern Washington. Um, he's been outstanding and, you know, well deserved of getting a uh, player offensive player of the year. I bet you watched him in college. Cooper Cup. I did, yes. I did you see You saw Cooper Cup yeah. in college. Wow, wow. Yeah. Some games when he was at. Was that is Eastern Washington? That's Eastern one double. That's that yeah. FCS? Yeah, yeah. Yep, FCS. They got the uh, red, they got a red turf field. Oh, wow. Field. wow. Nice, nice, very, nice, nice, nice. Very interesting. Nice. But yeah, they're nice. always, Eastern Washington's always the top, one of the top FCS schools year in, year out. Yeah, yeah. I bet, I bet. I bet. So uh, we'll go to coach of the year. And uh, that went to Mike Vrabel. I thought he deserved it. Went, we got the number one seed in the AFC. Pretty much without Derrick Henry for most of the year. Without, for half the year, they were without Derrick Henry. They were without A.J. Brown. Didn't have a good, didn't have a great quarterback. I mean, out of, out of all the teams, he probably had the worst quarterback of any of the teams in the divisional round. And Tannehill proved that in the divisional round. So Mike Vrabel, I think, well-deserved. He was the coach of the year. Yeah, absolutely. They used a record 91 players this year because of COVID and injuries. Again, and I know five losses, it's again, it's very rare to win the conference like that. But still to be able to just stay competitive during all that time. You, you have a quarterback Ryan Tim who's not great. And you, you know, and most of your offensive weapons were kind of banged up all year. Or you're your top guy. So yeah, obviously Mike Grable is very rewarding of it. He's gonna be a solid coach in this league for a long time. Um, he's been outstanding again. Yeah, it was unfortunate they could not get it done in the divisional round, but again, his defense was outstanding. The offense just could not really get it going. So, um, is it time to move Henry in dynasty leagues? Uh, that was a one injury, yeah. It might he's be such a beast. I don't, I think with Foreman, too, they could use Foreman more, too, to kind of you know take the load off of him at times. I, I think don't know, I'd be. still keep him. He's so that's so hard because he's been he's not shown any signs of slowing down, but that yeah. injury could end up hurting him. And he's going to be in his eighth year next year. No, his se- yeah. seventh year next year. And you know, running backs once they get to their seventh, eighth year, start wearing down. Yeah, that is a point. He is built differently, though. He is a different breed. Yes, I know, I know, I know. He's he's, so. he's he's such a he's such a he's so strong. He's so powerful. Yeah, he is a different breed. But that's yeah. that that's a that, that that's a tough decision. It is. Again, because I could see him going for another 150 or another uh, over a thousand yards or 1500 yards again. I don't know. I mean, he was going to probably win MVP. He had a very good shot to win MVP. He doesn't get hurt. It is a toko. I think it depends on what you would get back for. I, I think it would have to depend on that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll 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 see. We'll see. Yeah. It, it, I, I think it does. I think it definitely does. So we got the final award, and the award I think everyone's been waiting for, and that was the MVP, and that went to Aaron Rodgers, and I think he, he absolutely deserved it. He, the Packers had injuries this year. They had Jari Alexander out. They had, you know, Zedari uh, Smith out. They had their left tackle, David Bottieri, out for most of the season. But Aaron Rodgers just kept playing great. I mean, he was outstanding this year, 37 touchdowns, four interceptions. I think this is a well-deserved MVP, the fourth MVP of his career. Uh, I, 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 and, uh, I think this, and, and this is his second consecutive MVP. I mean, he just, just a, just a phenomenal year for Aaron Rodgers, And, uh, and we'll see what happens in the off season with him. But I'm telling you so many teams are going to give, are going to want to give up, are going to be give, are going to be give, are going to be trying to get him because he, I know he was not great in the playoffs, 
but he is a difference maker. He, right now, in my opinion, he's the best player in the league. He's still the best player in the league. Yeah, absolutely. His fourth one, he deserved it. Um, again, like after week one, he had 37 touchdown passes, two interceptions. You know, again, he's a guy who does not turn the ball over, which you want. Um, he's got a cane of an arm. You know, he's a pretty good athlete, too. You know, I know. But, um, yeah, he's outstanding. Again, they battled injuries all year. Again, their special teams was horrible. You saw that in the postseason. Um, you know, he's really got Devontae Adams. And, again, like nothing too – not you know, nothing great at the number two afterwards. And um, to put up the numbers he did, I know the division was horrible this year. But, again, he's he's been outstanding. I do agree he's the best player in the league. Um you know, again, the postseason doesn't matter. You kind of say what you want about him in the postseason, but again, it doesn't go into the MVP kind of um, the voting's done all before that. But yeah, he's been outstanding player in the year. Or, you know, and he he's most deserving again in this league. His fourth one. He had another great year, and I do agree he's still the best player in the league right now. And we'll see what happens this offseason with him. But he did deserve that award, without question, without question. So that's going to wrap it up uh, for, for the Super Bowl and, uh, and our uh, NFL awards talk. Uh, but but ne- coming up next, a huge trade last week in the NBA. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. So we were wondering uh, last week before before we got off the air if the Nets and the Sixers were going to make this blockbuster trade, and I was actually ripping. I would. I actually. I, I was going to rip the Nets if they made this trade. Uh, but on Thursday they they did it, and I'm not going to rip the Nets as much. Now I think the Nets are definitely worse uh, this year with this trade. I definitely think the Sixers are the favorite. This this trade makes the Sixers the favorite in the East with James Harden with Joel Embiid them coming out the pick and roll. You also got uh, you also got Tyrese Max. You also got Tobias Harris. I think right now the Sixers are. I mean, it's very close to the best team in the East. Is you got the Sixers, you got the Bucks, you got the Heat. You still have the Nets. It's the, 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 really it's it's probably between those still between those four teams. Uh, I, I don't. I know the Bulls are playing well, but I don't trust them come playoff time uh, because I don't trust DeRozan come playoff time. So I think it's still those four teams. But in my opinion, if the Nets kept Harden, I know he wanted out of there, but they kept him. And gave the thing this gave this thing a shot with the big three. I think that I think that they would they would have been the favorite. But how it ends up, the Nets end up trading him to the Sixers. He's going to be a free agent. We'll see if the Sixers sign an extension. But right now, I know they're the slim favorite in the Eastern Conference, but I think the Sixers are the favorite in the East. Yeah, 
I think they were barely. I I actually think the net now. For me, I was with you. I was gonna rip the Nets, but everything that's come out this week about Harding and again, I, I think it was a good idea for the Nets. Now, with everything they gave up, I think that is it's a complete loss. With Jared Allen's done in Cleveland this year, now they just got Chris LeVert. The Cavs did as well. Both those players have been really solid. You gave up some really good key pieces for Harding that are now gone in what four first round picks as well. I know you got one one or two back from the Sixers here, but with again, Harding's been a complainer. This is the second time he's wanted out in 13 months. I think at his age at 33, he's been overweight weight. I think the moment he got out of shape in Houston, because he was a guy who would never hurt. I think he I think he's you know, I think it's been tougher for him to get in shape now. He's 33. It's not as easy as it was when he was 20 years old, when he's kind of you know in college. And I don't think his game translates, you know, in the next couple of years. I really don't. And if he's going to get $50 million, good luck to the team that signed him. Because I don't think you're going to get the production you have out of him. Again, I I think, I think the Nets did pretty well. They need a center. I think Andre Drummond does that. You, you got a shooter like Curry, you know, Seth Curry. I, and he's a he's a good shooter. So um, you got Joe Harris as well. You, you know, again, if Durant could stay healthy, Kyrie, again, it just all could figure itself out. I think the Nets could be the favorite. I don't trust James Harding, and I don't I don't trust him right now. Um, I just you know, I I I think you know that hamstring's a problem right now. It was last year, it is right now. I don't know how much longer James Harden's gonna be James Harden. We we all know. I think the Nets did good, good, and it sounds like the locker rooms improved. They I watched because they played the Kings the other night, and I watched the game. They, they look pretty good. Um, I mean, they, let's, they let's, let's, let's be honest. So let's be honest. We look who they were playing. The Kings. Yes, I know. Yeah, they, look, they yeah, look who they were playing. Okay, look who they were playing. I mean, they did win. You got to go. You got to. You got to go up. You got to play who you're going up against. But but still, I still think the Sixers right now are with Hard when if Harden gets healthy. And that's a big if. Are the better team. I just think they're the better team. I don't think in the future, in the next two, three or four years, they won't. I don't. They'll definitely. They definitely won't be the better team. They might not even be the better team next year. But I think right now the Sixers are the better team. I just think Harden and Embiid out the pick and roll is going to be lethal, lethal. And once this thing gets going. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be great. I think. I, th- I think they're gonna go. All, I think they're gonna go all the way. But it's close. It's fun. It's fun. It's gonna be fun between these four teams. Watching the Heat, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers battle it out. They all, all four very easily could be in the conference semifinals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, getting the Heat have had a terrific year. The Bucks are, you know, right there again. Yeah, you know, I think it comes down to for the Nets. It's, it can by playoff time. Can Kyrie play at home the postseason? If he can't, I'm taking the Nets over the over the Sixers. I love Joel Embiid. I love what we can do. Uh, you know, I they still have some soft pieces to buy his hair as the Sixers do, but I don't I don't know if they slow down Durant. I think, you know, and again, I don't know what you're gonna get out of Ben Simmons in the playoffs, but he he he's gonna be what like the third, fourth option in this team. He doesn't have to be a scorer, and I think that's gonna be huge for Ben Simmons. So I'm actually think you know, I'm gonna take the Nets. I think as long as Kyrie can play at home. I'll take the Nets over the Sixers right now. I think I think around them they have more than the Sixers. Yeah, but that's the problem. He's probably not going to get vaccinated. There's a good chance he probably won't get vaccinated, and he probably won't be able to play at home. I mean, oh, but they might lift. They might lift the rule. They yeah. might lift the the ban. But I, I just I don't think I, I think he might, if they lift the ban. But I, I but also I don't trust Kyrie Irving. I don't trust Kyrie Irving. And, and <laughs> I, I, tr- I trust James Harden more than I trust Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. I don't have him in Durant or closer. But I'll, but I'll, but I trust uh, J- 
James Harden more than, than I trust Kyrie Irving. I don't trust Kyrie Irving. You saw him in Boston when he wasn't making guys better around him. He's, he was holding Tatum and Jalen Brown back. I mean, I, I, I and, and even when he wanted out that last that last year in Cleveland, I don't trust Kyrie. No, and I, I don't blame you. Again, if anybody who says that LeBron James is a problem, again, that's, uh, you know, you know, it's it's on you. So no, I don't trust Kyrie either. Again, I don't think in the you know, it sounds like at some point it's going to be lifted, and I assume when it whenever it is, it'll be before the playoffs. So I assume we'll probably see him at home. But again, I know Kyrie goes on those kind of getaways where he kind of disappears for times. But and I hear you. I think you know with Durant, you know, um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that again. I you know, I know. You know, and I think James Harden is not a great teammate either. You know, I, you know, Bruce Brown or Bryce Brown was kind of saying, like, we're in a lot. We have a locker room now where everybody likes each other. Like, I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, we'll, like, we'll wait till Kyrie comes out of that locker room regularly and see if they like to see if they continue to like each other. That, that, I, know, that, that, I don't know. That could something be happen. That could definitely happen. I think I've heard, too, like Harden's just not a hard worker. He just kind of just shows up. You know, like that. I've heard, <laughs> I don't know about I, that. I, that's what I heard. That's what I was reading a story about that. Yeah. Okay. Neither Kyrie and Harden are great teammates, but I would take no. James Harden on my team any day of the week before I take Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie is a better because James Harden in the um Western Conference Finals, he was two for thirteen. People say the same stuff about OBJ, and look what happened there. Yeah, but yeah. listen, was was OBJ? Yes, he was. He contributed to that championship. But was he one of the key players in, in that Rams championship run? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford were the key players. Kyrie Irving, if the Nets are going to win a championship, is going to have to be this, pretty much the second best player. He's going to have to be one of those key players in that championship run. He was lucky. He, he was lucky, you know, when he won the title in 2016, he was playing with the second greatest player of all time. Durant's great, but he's not LeBron. So, listen, listen, I, I, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't trust him as a key player on a championship team. I don't trust Kyrie Irving as a key player on a championship team. I hear you saying. I know it's it's tough. I don't trust Harden either. That that Western Conference final game, he's two for thirteen against the Warriors. He yeah, doesn't die by the three ball. And now his he, but he and now with the new rules, he can't go to the free throw line twenty five times a game either. I know, I know, I, I know. But the thing is, is if Chris Paul is healthy, there's a very good chance that Harden yeah. gets the NBA Finals and he wins a championship. So. I, 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 and I've said, I'm going to say it again. I just, I'd, I'd rather have him on my team than uh, Kyrie Irving. And I hear you saying, I'm starting to change my tune of, I kind of, ra- well, I, I'd rather not have both. I'd rather not have either of them. The way Harden's been acting the last year or so, part of me wants Kyrie. Again, it's so tough because then Kyrie with the vaccine stuff. And again, it, it and again, like some of the stuff he kind of says, he, he kind of thinks he's better than everybody else at times. You know, it, it thinks he's better than everybody in the media and all that. And it's tough of who I rather want. I rather because I think Irving kind of translates more in the playoffs. I know he doesn't make guys better around him, but like if Harding goes two for fifteen. I know Embiid's a pretty good player. Tobias Harris and Joe Harris, I kind of think are like the same player. They're good. They're streaky, but when they're on, they could both score thirty-five a game. Curry's a very good shooter as well. You know. And I think this is where Ben Simmons comes in. Because I think if Curry and Harris are on, Ben Simmons is the fifth, fifth score on that team. Yeah, and defensively, yeah, yeah. he can get to the line, you know, with his size. I think, you know, with his size, I think he could he could lock down James Harden. Maybe not lock yeah. him down, but he could slow Harden down. 
Yeah, but saying that, uh, but saying that uh, you'd rather have Kyrie Irving in the postseason than James Harden. Kyrie Irving won a championship, but he played with the greatest player ever, one of the, the second greatest player ever. And I mean, James Harden. I know he I had his moments in the playoffs. He quit in Game Six against against the Spurs. That was inexcusable. You know, he lost that series to Gold, to Golden State, and he lost that series to the Lakers in the conference semifinals. But in 2018, he was the best player on a team that was that very easily could have won a championship. So I still would rather want in the, in the playoffs. I still would rather want James Harden. I see what you're saying, and yeah, you know, again, yeah, Paul's healthy, and I know they've had, you know, I know the town, you know, with the Rockets, I know they've kind of pulled and they didn't have, a, you know, too much around them, and he's kind of had to carry. But I like, I, I think injury wise, I think this hamstring's really a long term problem. I really do. I really think he's not in shape and he's still overweight. And again, you kind of saw what happened at the end of the run last year. It's a long grind. I know it because. At first, I didn't really know if he was injured or not, if he just kind of quit here in the Nets and was just waiting to get out of here. But it sounds like it's an issue. It was an issue last year. I think it's a long-term issue. I really think in that that's part of the reason why Kyrie, the most part, has been healthy. Most, I know he's kind of he's had his injuries. Um, and I know if he's had his issues of, you know, will he play at home or not and all that. And I know, yeah, I know I, Kyrie's not the greatest teammate in the world either. He doesn't make everybody around him. But, like, when Kyrie's on, and I guess the same thing with James Harding, Harden, when Kyrie's on, I think he's one of the best ball handers in the league. I think, you know, um, and I just think talent – I still think talent-wise, because I think Drummond's a terrific rebounder. He's a great scorer down low at the center position. I'll take Joe Harris. I'll take Curry. Like, I, I just think they have a little bit more around them. I know um, Diable is not a great scorer. He's a great defender. He's not a great scorer. Maxi last night was like one for eight, and they got blown out by the Celtics. You know, I know the Celtics have been playing a lot better, but the Celtics that's, tasted that, them last night. That, that's a regular season game, though. I don't, I don't take stock in certain regular season games in the, in the NBA. And that was a regular season game before they got James Harden. So I'm not, I'm not taking stock in that. I'm, I'm still going with the Sixers in the Eastern Conference as the best as the best team. I think it's going to be fun. I mean, this isn't a year where, you know, you got a bunch of superstars on one team and, and it's and, and it's and that team's going is is clearly the winner. There's four teams in that in that conference that 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 could that, that could win a championship. I mean, there's and it's, so so it's so it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, to watch the, watch that postseason. It's 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 going to be it's going to be great. It's really going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's wide open and you know, the way the Celtics are playing, the Celtics actually look like a real team now. You know, they can – I think they have some talent. With Brown and Tatum, they have talent too to sit as the number – as that 15 that could compete in that conference. So, yeah, absolutely with the Heat, Bulls. I think the Bulls – I know they've been – they're banged up too now, but I think, yeah, I think the Eastern Conference is wide open, and it's something we really haven't seen the last kind of handful. I know last year was wide open, you know, with COVID and all that, but, yeah, I think the conference is wide open, and it should be a really fun playoffs. And, again, it won't surprise me if there's five different – teams that are there I think there's you know five teams that could come out of that Easter conference that it would not surprise me to see that see them playing the NBA finals yeah we'll see we'll see what happens there but we have to go go through uh we're at, we're at the all-star break so we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about the teams the, 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 the two teams we think are the most surprising and most disappointing we'll start with the most disappointing and this is a pretty obvious one I'm going with the Lakers I mean when they got Russell Westbrook you know I'm not the biggest fan of him you felt like with Westbrook AD and LeBron that uh, they would be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Now they're sitting in ninth place. And they were a favorite to go to the NBA Finals. I know they've had injuries, but ninth place and you're a favorite to go to the NBA Finals. I think it's pretty obvious that you're the most disappointing team. 
Oh, absolutely. They don't play much defense at all. LeBron James has been carrying this team on his back as much as possible. You know, AD has been good, but his numbers have kind of been down shooting-wise. I know he's still averaging over 20 a game, but again, he hasn't stayed healthy. Russell Westbrook's a total issue right now. He, you know, he's just Russell Westbrook, you know, Westbrook is a total issue on the team right now. They're under 500 in the Western Conference. That's good, but like that roster should be hanging around up in that top half of the Western Conference, and it, it, they're not because in and they're not. And absolutely, they should be better than ninth place in this in this conference right now. Um, it, it's embarrassing right now with the, with the way the Lakers have performed this year. Outside of LeBron James, because LeBron James has absolutely carried them when he's been healthy and all that, but you can't really rely on a 36 year old to be carrying you like that because it. You see, it, it won't last 82 games. Oh, without question, without a doubt, it, it definitely won't. So my most uh, my most surprising team is the Cavaliers. They're thirty five and twenty three, and have gotten great. I mean, Jared Allen's played really well. Uh, Darius Garland's played well. They got Karis LeVert now. They Evan Mobley's had a, had a good rookie year, and they and they lost uh, Colin Sexton too. So to me, the Cavaliers right now at thirty five and twenty three, they're my mo- they're the most they're my most surprising team in the league. I'm going with the Bulls, and I know you had them in the eighth spot. I didn't think they were a playoff team. I had them right in the outside in, out, outside, in like the ninth seed. Um, but for me, it's the Bulls. I know they're banged up right now, but what the DeMar DeRozan has done, you know, Londa Ball has been a nice complimentary piece to that team. Zach Levine, I know he's hurt right now, but Levine's having another fantastic season. Um, you know, Billy Donovan, I think he's a, it's a good coach in this, in this league. I know the schedule is going to start getting tougher. Um, coming out of the all-star break. So I know they may take some some losses right now. But, like, this is a team last year that was horrible defensively. I know they're still in the bottom half of in defense, but they've been better defensively. They can score the basketball. Um, you know, I also like the pickup of Alex Caruso there, at, you know, also in the point guard position. And then, like, I was a sumo, the rookie from Illinois. Since he stepped into the starting world point guard, he's, he's start, you know, he's actually shown that. You know, he kind of belongs right now in the league. He's, play, he's played well, you know, since kind of taking over the starting point guard spot. So, I think, you know, I've been very surprised with the Bulls that they're up here in the top half of the division or in the conference. Um, you know, and, and DeRozan looked like a looked like an MVP so far that he's a guy that's, that's sticking around and, you know, could be one of the dark horses. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Who would have thought we'd be talking to Mark DeRozan MVP? Yeah, who would have thought that? But speaking of the MVP, we'll give our midseason MVP. For me, it's Joel Embiid. The guy's almost averaging 30 points a game. He's phenomenal. He's unguardable inside. He can, he can shoot the three. I mean, the guy's just been phenomenal. He's carried this Sixers team. Yeah, he, is the, he is the reason why James Harden wanted to come to Philadelphia. Without Joel Embiid, there's no way James Harden is even thinking about going to Philly. So for me, Joel Embiid is my midseason MVP. Yeah, I got Embiid too. Um, at that center position, he's – you know, he's just a physical beast down there. And he's good on the defensive end, too. Jaws MVP. I can see he's that. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I mean, what he's done in Memphis has been phenomenal. That that guy is – he's he's a top-ten player in this league. He's a top-ten player. He's the best player in that draft. I, I mean, I'm so upset the Knicks were one pick away from, mm-hmm. from getting him. If we just had the number two pick that year, he's probably a Nick, and everything's different for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Jaws has been phenomenal as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel your pain there of missing guys in the draft. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I know your pain, but yeah. It, it, again, John Morant was number two for me. I went back and forth, but I think you know Embiid's been more. I, I think you know 
I think Embiid kind of deserves it this year just a little bit more. Um, you know, just again, he's been good at the three ball. You know, he shoots it pretty well. He just again, even like the, defensively, and that you know, he he's tough to score on. You know, in the paint. Um, you know, he just he disrupts a lot of shots. You know, he almost averages two block shots a game. And yeah, he's just been a physical beast down there. And they kind of, you know, um, you know, averaging 30 game, 11 rebounds, averaging double double. Um, he's the best center in the game. He's one of the top players in the game, and he deserves to win MVP um, so far. He, he's just an absolute beast to deal with down low. And he's been a phenomenal player for the Sixers the last few years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So UConn is trying to avenge two losses from from earlier in the year. One from Friday, as they got a big week at Gamble against Seton Hall and, and Xavier. Before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting. So a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So. I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTPD Realty is? People over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. Alrighty, it's a big week for UConn basketball. Big week at Gamble. You got two games at Gamble. You got tonight against Seton Hall, and then Saturday against Xavier. They're trying to avenge two losses: uh, Seton Hall from earlier in the season in overtime, and then Xavier uh, from Friday night. And uh, we'll start with the Seton Hall game. Uh, we, as we know, last game Seton Hall beat him in overtime. Uh, Bryce Aiken had 22 points. Jared Rodden had 15. Uh, and uh, for UConn, Snago had 18. Cole had 15. That game went to overtime. What does UConn have to do tonight, Justin, to get revenge against the Pirates? Well, tonight, you got to finish a layup. You, you got to finish. And, you know, they're shooting 40% 47% this year in their two-point field goals, which is ranked 250th in the country out of 348, I believe, the Division One teams now. So, and then they're built on the two-point shot. They don't have a consistent three-point shooter. Polly's too streaky. You know, Hawkins is too. Hawkins, they didn't count the times you know, has bothered him. You got to finish layups. And that's been Xavier the other night. You had, there was one opportunity, you had four chances and you missed all of them. Um, that's a big key tonight too. Do not let Kadari Richmond absolutely torch you for 20 straight. Um, like he did in the first meeting, you know, defensively, they got to play better. Now, granted the first time they played T and Hall, they, they had the COVID pause. They were off for 11 days. They had two practices and then they played C and Hall. So, to lose by three on Saint to Seton Hall on the road like that, and, and they only should have won that game. It, it's difficult, but again, I think they're the better team than Seton Hall. They got to be able to convert tonight defensively. 
Um, you know, Brace Aikens is out for his eight straight game or seven eight straight game. He's had a concussion, unfortunately, just has not been able to stay healthy. Um, they're starting to kind of figure it out. Richmond's starting to become a better, you know, distributor at the point guard spot, and they're starting to kind of figure it out. They put Nova tough on the road Saturday. It's gonna be a tough one tonight. Cena Hall really needs this one to kind of you know build that resume here and sweeping you kind of will really help that form. Um but yeah, I think for you kind of fast start, finish layups offensively. Um, you know, like keep Richmond in check, keep uh Jared Roden in check, you know, Lexa Yetna. Um, you know, it's good down low. He didn't play in the first meeting. And they also, you know, Seen Hall averages 13 offensive rebounds a game. They're right up there with UConn, so they're gonna have to uh box out tonight. Yeah, and keep prop or keep Seen Hall away from the second chance points. And you know, again, I another revenge game, and Kevin Willard has publicly said that. You know, he did not want UConn back in the bees. So it'd be really nice to knock him off tonight. Ooh, yeah, you'll probably be in the house and those fans do. Those oh, fans yeah. probably remember that, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Media day in uh, 2020. He said yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. So I bet they remember that. I mean, yeah, this is a game. I think this is a game they got to win. They're at Gamble. Gamble's a tough place to play. It should start to get more packed because the, the cases oh, are going sure. down in the state. So it should be a good atmosphere tonight. This is a game. If UConn. Wants to be a you know a team that that's going to contend, a team that's going to make a tournament run. They got they got to win not just this game but but the game against Xavier too. They can't lose twice absolutely. with Seton Hall and Xavier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think this three game stretch with Nova on Tuesday it's make or break. If they again, I want to say they got to go three and all. They again, if they go two and one, I'll, I'll take it. But anything worse than two and one, they go one and two and all three. You know, then yeah, you know, again, I, I'm penciling in penciling them in to losing the first round of the tournament. I think if you can go two and one, three and oh, and your one loss is Nova and you hang in there, you play tough and you lose by maybe a basket or something. Okay. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll accept it. But, and I think, you know, it could be a team that goes on a run, but yeah, you go one and two, oh, and three here at home, big three game stretch. Then, yeah, I, I think it's, again, that probably puts you seven or 18 in the big East. And that probably means you get maybe Nova in the first round of the big or, or on uh in the quarterfinals. You may have to face Nova there on a Thursday afternoon that's an eight seed. And you're probably not winning that game. So yeah, I think you know, tonight the big one, the three revenge games is the three home stands. Again, it should be packed tonight. It's another like 831. So again, I you know, it, it, it should be packed tonight. Hopefully it will be. Again, I know I think Tuesday's pretty close to a sellout. Saturdays are always, again, I think I bet Saturday's goes to sell out as well. So, yeah, the Gamble, even XL next Tuesday should, should be a great atmosphere. Moving on to Saturday's game against Xavier, UConn trying to get revenge again. And uh, on fr- last Friday, they they lost in Cincinnati 74-68. Uh, to I uh, was surprised Hurley didn't, you know, stay in Cincinnati to watch his Bengals. <laughs> you know, maybe coach the game remotely on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. He would have a president stay in Cincinnati to watch the Bengals. But uh, – but in that game, uh, they did hold, they did contain Fremantle, they did contain Scruggs, but the Jack, Jack Nudge was the guy who, uh, the guy, the unsung hero for uh, for Xavier. He had 22 points. Uh, uh, RJ Cole at 22, and Tyrese Martin at 18. Uh, Sanago at 11. So, what does you kind of got to do on Saturday to get to get revenge against Xavier? They have to be more physical than Xavier. I thought Xavier's a more physical team than them. Um, Thought Xavier did a pretty good job on the offensive glass too. They out rebounded UConn. Um, that they don't, Xavier's the better team the other night, and it's was mostly now they Xavier got some shots so that 
they just knocked down um, that were pretty lucky, I would say. You know, so those don't go in. You kind of got a better shot. But, again, I don't I, – I, I understand why Hurley got that technical there late in that game. That ref was doing it. It was his fifth game that week. He did a game Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And Thursday night, he was doing the Little Rock and Troy game. So he came from Little Rock. So that ref had no patience left. So you, you can't really get teed up there. Now, I don't know why that ref was doing his fifth game. Usually, it's, they only do like two or three a week. I don't know why he was doing his fifth. Um, but, again, he, that ref probably just ran out of patience doing, doing you know, um, but yeah, you know, I think in that game they were more physical than the Huskies. I thought, you know, again, some shots just do, did not fall for them. Um, they kind of, again, they hung in there with RJ Cole, Sanago getting in foul trouble early, and they hung around. They were down three to the half after they hit a tough three point shot to end the half. So they were Huskies. You got to keep it close. Again, it's a, Xavier's a good team, but they're better than UConn's better than them. You know, Nunji played well. He had some big shots. You know, Strokes played better in the second half. I think, you know, he scored all nine in the second half. You know, Fremantle's is starting to play better. He's starting to kind of get into, uh, you know, starting to get in a rhythm a little bit more. But you're a better team. And they didn't have Adam Kunkel, who I believe was um, in COVID protocol. So, I again, I, there's probably a good chance he plays Saturday. He's a pretty good shooter as well. He's one of their better guards. So, you're going to have to deal with him. And one of their better students, Nate Johnson, actually started to shoot the ball better. He had 12 points the other night. So, even Huskies, it's, it's, you got to play physical with them. You got to, again, it's like the scene hall game. You got to finish your layups. You're not beating anybody if you do not finish your layups. Again, it's, it's like a contact. It's like, it's, it, you know, like, they, you know, I don't know if Hurley, if they take like the pads and when they go for a layup, you kind of like knock them, you know, you, you don't knock them over, but like, have them finish over some contact or something because they just go up so weak. Like Sanago, it drives me crazy. Yeah, Sanago's got to go up a lot stronger. Yeah, Sanago's yeah. definitely got to go up a lot stronger. Yeah, he's one of the strongest guys in the entire country. Use it, you know? Especially, especially Xavier doesn't have that big physical center that could kind of slow him down. Like a like Alexa Yetno and um, Seton Hall. Ike uh, Ugabana, yeah. Ugabade. Yeah. yeah, so like they, they don't have those type of guys at Xavier. So he should be able to dominate down there. Um, he's actually got foul trouble too, but again, I know it's tough on the hedge screens and he kind of gets trapped out there. I've never been a big fan of kind of having your center going out there, but the way Hurley likes it. Um, but yeah, again, I, you got to win at that gamble. They usually play really well at gamble. They usually win there. So um, yeah, another revenge game. Be nice to get these guys because, you know, again, you're still, you know, you're, not going to win the Big East title, but you're too back in Nova. Would still, you still have them one more time. Maybe you find a way to get that two spot, you know, um, and hope Providence drops to the three and you get Providence, you know, there. Because I don't want to be in the four or five game because I think Villanova is probably going to win the conference. And I don't want to play Nova on Friday. I'd rather wait to Saturday to play Nova for a third time. So I yeah, in that two spot. Could, oh, yeah. I'm saying not the yeah. Fields. Yeah, yeah, that two spot. Yeah, that, yeah, that four spot is it? Yeah, you definitely don't. Because yeah, you saw Nova last night. They beat Providence on the road. They're more than likely probably going to beat them at home. Because I don't think Providence yeah. is a great team. I think Nova's a better yeah. team than Providence uh, this year. I think Providence was a little lucky to have the record they. I don't. Mm. I mean, no, no disrespect to Ed Cooley. He's done a great job. But I think Providence is a little bit lucky to have the record they've had. But yeah, you're right about that. You definitely want to avoid the four seed. You want to get that two or three seed and probably play Providence in the semifinals. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Providence Ken Palm actually ranks luck ratings. They're the luckiest teams since 2008. Like wow. Wagner, Wag- so wow, I, wow. They're nine, eight and one now in games like decided by fireless points. I think Ed Cool wow. is great, and he's done a fantastic job. But yeah, they're they're not the eighth ranked team, and yeah, you know Nova Nova showed why they're still the king of the conference, and yeah, they, that's that's why you don't want to play them. There on Friday. Now that that atmosphere, even you know, Friday they get the chance to play Nova and Garden it's gonna be electric. But um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ra- rather wait to see them in the championship game. Um, oh. yeah, that than Friday. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ. For producer Jace Garcia, who did a great job, and for Justin Nafio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week recapping that huge, huge UConn-Nova game at XL. So we'll be recapping that, and they'll be talking about any NFL news or NBA news that comes our way. Um, enjoy, 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 the, uh, enjoy the college basketball games this weekend, and have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is, av- is availability. Saquon Barkley... He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Chawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.